0: Uh, you're giving into the house of God. I want to also thank the worship team tonight, your faithfulness in leading us into worship. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 tonight. First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, I want to go there in the Word of God tonight. I want to minister to you uh, a sermon I've called Godliness Contentment. Uh, Godliness uh, Contentment. Uh, One of the developing patterns that you find um, in the recent years uh, is the spirit of discontentment that has unleashed uh, in many parts of the world. Uh, If you know anything about years, I think it might have been about three years ago, uh, when there was a country by the name of Ecuador, uh, where they experienced a series of protests and riots in response uh, to the austerity measures taken by the government. A week after Ecuador began to protest, uh, Chile, the, capitals, uh, the Chilean capital, Santiago, uh, succumbed to a civil unrest as a result of the rising cost of living. And then moving forward, Bolivia... When the incumbent president, Evo Morales, was re-elected amidst allegation of electoral fraud, this began to lead to a number of uprisings in Bolivia. We know as well that Hong Kong has had its share of protests that has gone on for months, if not a year or more. In London, there were thousands of protesters that descended on the streets to protest Brexit. And we know that Beirut, Lebanon, Middle East, Haiti, and we can go on and on tonight. The recent uh, uh, protests that has happened, we know uh, even in America, there have been a number of different protests with the COVID situation that people have been forefronted with when Donald Trump was the president. There have been people on the streets and so on and so forth. But what I'm getting to tonight is the reality that discontentment, the spirit of discontentment is clearly a spirit that is on the rise in our generation. And I say to you that when you read the word of God, why, why do all of these protests and why do all of these begin to happen? It is ultimately the driving force of people who are discontented. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with the way things are going. I'm not happy with the way situations are, are playing out. I'm not happy with the decisions you made. I'm not happy with the politicians. I'm not happy with the, with the situation and the climate today. And so this births in us, and if we're not careful, a natural sense of discontentment. Contentment is a rare virtue. Today in our culture, it has become so rare that the pursuit of more is becoming more and more dangerously poisonous. We live in a generation today that demands for more. I want more. I want more of this. I want more. I want you to treat me like this. I want to be having, I want to have this in life. I want to accomplish that in life. I want to drive a car that's as big as this or drive a car that is as valuable as this. And the spirit just goes on and on and on. That contentment, the desire for just saying, you know what, I am grateful for what I have has become so rare today. The crave for power, fame, money has become drastically deadly that it accentuates the crave that can never seem to be satisfied. We want more, but we seem to be less and less satisfied. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 tonight, I want to talk to you for a few moments, a sermon I've called Godliness Contentment. And out of this passage in First Timothy chapter six, verses six, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness tonight, Godliness tonight goes hand in hand with contentment. That's what our author is describing to us, that in the innate crevices of the heart lies the void that only God can fill. You can chase after the things this world has to give us. You can leer and you can strive and you can be constantly in hot pursuit for all that this world has to give you. But I declare to you that void that is existing on the inside of our hearts represents a puzzle that seems to have a missing piece. And the only one who has that piece is God. And this is the nature of what we are dealing with, the pursuit of worldly treats. The pursuit of worldly carnal desires is a gimmick today to blind the hearts of men and women from facing the true reality that only God is able to fill that void. Ask a millionaire, someone quoted this Ask a millionaire what will satisfy him, and he will always tell you one more million. It is natural. We will never be satisfied outside of God. Money cannot satisfy us. Wealth cannot satisfy our marriages, our jobs, our title, our positions, and all that the world may give us will never be enough to fill that void that is present in our hearts. And this only, by the pursuit of this, by the chasing of this, it sets the heart on a pace. It sets the heart on a beat to chase and run after what outwardly seems pleasurable, appealing yet it is so horribly deadly on the inside. The very thing that we pay uh, uh, by getting these things, our conviction is flushed down the drain. Our conscience is eliminated. No longer do we live by conviction. We have, the, we have all the money in the world, but no conviction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. We have everything we ever dreamt of, but no willingness to help. You know, Today, we live in a generation that just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. You know, I was reading about Abbott Liu today. This man was down the road near sun, somewhere in Sunway, and he bumped into a lady who was living under the bridge for 14 years. Under, under the tree, sorry. He met this lady, it was next to the bridge. But he met this lady, she's an Indian woman, 62 years old, without a roof over her head. And she says, men would come up to me, rape me, and do all kinds of lewd things, and I just have to shut up because if I say anything or do anything against them, they would abuse me. And this man, you know what he did? He says, I can make a difference in her life. He didn't just talk. He didn't just talk, oh, you know, but yeah, we're having a seminar on how to help the peer. Come on, do something about it then, talking about what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And here's this man, he stepped into the scene. He says, you know what, I'm going to get her a housing. I'm going to give her a place to live. And so he takes her out at about three in the afternoon. He takes her, takes her to Maidin, buys clothes for her, buys her food, takes her. And as he breaks fast, he gives her dinner alongside with him to break fast together with him. And then the story goes on. At nine o'clock, the landlord of the house comes in. Desa Mantari, the landlord comes. He gets the key. He gives, opens the door. He gives her the mattress and all of that, and gives her a roof over her head. You can have money but have no conviction. You can have money but have no conscience. These things only want to satisfy ourselves materialism and the pursuit of it is only for ourselves that's why the bible says godliness with contentment i draw your attention to the story of adam and eve eve was in the garden she saw the fruit and the bible tells us precisely that the lust of her eyes began to lust after that fruit she desired that fruit despite of what god had said to her despite god said no she still wanted it she still wanted to go against God because she wanted what her flesh desired for. She had no dominion over her flesh. And right here, the Bible says that God had instructed and reminded her, this is going to be deadly for you. But you see, she didn't physically die. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You can pursue what seems to appease to your flesh. And you may not die physically, but die spiritually. And when people chase after things that this world promises them, they desire to be contented with money, or they desire to be contented with better jobs, or they desire to be contented with marriage or relation. if I can find the perfect partner, I'll be contented. If I will find the best location, I will be If I can find a house with a swimming pool on the side, and I'll tell you, you, you would tell yourself, I will be contented. But when you find one, I tell you, beloved, deep down in the innate desire of the human heart, we will one more. We're never going to be satisfied. Discontentment, I make a statement to you, is a direct result of a life that is running from God. It is the byproduct of godlessness. Luke 15 13, and not many days after, the young son gathered all together journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. The word prodigal means wasted living. And here we find no doubt a man who is running away from his father, who is running away from an image of God and he is chasing after prodigal. I can get more outside there than in my father's house that discontentment is always going to direct us to run away from God. I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not happy with this. I'm not, you know, contented with this. And so we keep running, we keep running, we keep running, we keep chasing, we keep chasing. So many people are so emotional, e- emotional and they're so filled with all kinds of feelings. I don't feel good. They don't feel good. They want to go somewhere else. They don't seem to be contented. This is the spirit, a disease, as one man said. It is the action, discontentment, is the action of trying to change everything instead of learning to live contented with what you have. This is a spirit. Discontentment doesn't only involve money. It also involves marriage, it involves ministry, it involves job, it involves education, discontent. You can be discontented about everything in life. And I say to you, beloved, the cure to discontentment is godliness. Godliness bridges the gap. When godliness is present, our pursuit changes. Our lives now become God-centered. Godliness is not a pursuit of a process but godliness is the presence of the person who is in us. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen by angels preached among the gentiles believed on in the world received up in glory the great mystery of godliness is god was revealed in the flesh it is god's presence in our lives that brings contentment It is God's presence in us that brings contentment. We don't need a full church to be contented. We don't need to have a fat bank account to feel contented. We don't have to drive the most luxurious car to feel contented. You and I can be contented simply because the Bible says godliness with contentment. In other words, godliness and contentment go hand in hand. When godliness is present, contentment will be present. Contentment is the ability to have joy in what God has given you. It is to say, God, I'm grateful for what I have. I am thankful for what you have blessed me with. I am thankful that, you know what, I may not have it all, but I have you in my life. I remember someone testifying, I think it it, it, it might be my wife, she, she shared many years ago as a new convert, her friends were bragging and telling her, you know, oh, we have this and we have a nice car and, you know, our parents live in this house and all of that. And I remember the words until today. She is testifying and she said, you know what, you may have all of that, but I have one one thing, I have Jesus. See, we are living in a very discontented generation, which elaboratively describes a very godless generation. I want you to hear me here very, very carefully. Discontentment equals godlessness. When you're not satisfied with Jesus... When you're not satisfied, you're not learning, and I'll talk to you about that because Paul says, I learn to be content. I learn, I choose to be. I make my mind up to be. listen to me carefully Godliness with content when you find no fulfillment in Jesus, when you find no fulfilling or, or satisfaction in Jesus when your life is not this when your life is discontented, you have to look for other things. I was just telling Brother Victor you have a generation of pastors who are on the rise and I'm not lying to you you can go and check it out just churches within our vicinity some of these big churches, the pastors no longer call themselves pastors. They call themselves leaders, futurist, enthusiast. Uh, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the other word I was telling you? Um, communicator. No more pastors no more call they no longer call themselves pastors this is troubling to me and you look at their lifestyle and you question and say what's happening the pandemic has brought something out in them they are pursuing dreams of becoming someone in this you know in the culture today they are wanting to make a name for themselves not for the glory of god it has nothing to do with church they are all pursuing making shoes and selling arts and and you know making music and you know uh, 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 becoming a motivational speaker all of this on the side the only day he preaches is sunday And I wonder, I ask myself, why? Because somewhere, they've lost contentment serving God. Now they're trying to find some form of contentment from the world. They're trying to find some kind of contentment from being applauded by sinners. They're trying to find some kind of contentment from making something so people will applaud and say, wow, great job. Because they're not getting that from church because they cannot gather in church. And so I made my mind up. A discontented person. If you're not satisfied, If the Word of God doesn't satisfy you, if the preaching doesn't satisfy you, if serving God doesn't satisfy you, if coming to church doesn't satisfy you, if being in prayer doesn't satisfy you, if reading His Word doesn't satisfy you, then I question, where is God in your life? Because discontented people are godless people. God is not present. Mark eight thirty six. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So let's talk secondly then, because godliness, as we know, produces contentment. Contentment is the byproduct of pursuing godliness. In John chapter six verses twenty six to twenty seven, I want you to look at this passage with me. John six twenty six to twenty seven. Jesus answered and said, "Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. What is Jesus rebuking His disciples about here? They are after Him. They, they follow Him. They are now in pursuit with Jesus. But what does Jesus say in this passage? Do not seek Me because you saw the signs, or but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, He says, the only reason you follow Me is because you know that I provide physical bread. And Jesus is reprimanding them. Don't come after Me for physical bread. Don't come after me for what I can give you. Don't come after me just because I can feed your hungry stomach. Don't come after me. Can we be more real today? Don't come after me just because I can give you a million dollars. Don't come after me because I can give you a job. Don't come after me just because I can heal you. Don't come after me just because of all these physical things that I can do for you here on earth. Jesus says, come after me for what I can give you in eternity. You see, this is where contentment really lies in. Contentment is not found in the physical bread that is present, beloved, but the spiritual food that we desire for. Look at the church world today, where the Word of God is being preached, and you will see more empty pews than filled chairs. Because people like to be motivated. People like to be pat on the back. People enjoy being encouraged and, you know, feeling good and musing, you know, using music as, an emotion, as a tool of emotionalism. Do you know if Nina was playing the piano right now and I'm preaching, it will change the whole environment. You will feel very different. But what does that do? If she was playing the piano and I was preaching to you now, and every time I lifted my voice, she'll go higher, and every time I reduced, she'll go lower, and you know, play this background music as I'm preaching. You know what it will do? It will just make you go into a trance. You will listen to it. It feels good. There's a music on the background. Emotionalism kicks in, but you will live the same way you came. We don't like silence. We like something, you know, masking the reality. And Jesus is confronting, this is a generation that wants Jesus to do miracles. They want Jesus to do signs and wonders. This is a generation that pursues the temporal here on earth, dismissing the greater concern, which is eternity. How many Christians are more concerned about here than eternity? How many Christians live their life like there's no tomorrow or rather they live their life like they're going to live here forever? And Jesus is confronting that spirit. You see, when discontentment is present, it is always a sign that our desire is not in tune with God. Discontentment is a disease that reveals we have moved from the presence of God. If I'm feeling discontented, I should know that somewhere, you know, the prayer of David is profound. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within. Why did he pray that prayer? We know he fell. We know that he had committed adultery. We know that he saw Bathsheba from the balcony of his house and he began to lust and he fell trapped to that. But we know, beloved, that somewhere he understood that he felt this discontentment in his heart and he pursued something that he felt could fill that spirit or could fill that void up. And that essentially is what happens. It took him away... From the presence of God, create in me a cleaner and let me not forget God, my salvation, the joy of my soul. What happened? What, what drew David away from the presence? Discontentment. He became discontented. He gave in to the spirit. Now, no longer the things of God. He wanted other things to somehow fill him up. The word discontent simply describes dissatisfaction, displeasure, disgruntle, malcontent. That means nothing of God makes you contented. This is troubling church. This is very, very troubling that this generation seems to be more contented watching videos on YouTube than hearing a man of God preach. It's very disturbing that this is a culture that would rather read the negative piles of news than read the Word of God that this is a culture that seems to be always commenting and murmuring and complaining. Benjamin Franklin made this statement. He says content makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. Content makes poor men rich. Discontent makes poor uh, sorry makes rich men Luke 12 20 to 21 the Bible says but God said to him Fool, this night your soul will be required of you then whose will those things be which you have provided so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God discontentment will always emphasize on what matters not to God what didn't matter to God here was that this man built a bigger house It didn't matter to God, but in his mind, this was important and God rebuked him. He says, fool, tonight your soul will be required of you and so will it be to anyone who lays up treasure for himself on earth and not with God and it's not rich towards God. You see, we got a multitude of Christians today chasing after the things, uh, chasing and pursuing the worldly measures and the materialism of the world, careless about God's kingdom, careless about being rich towards God, and God is rebuking this, but this spirit comes from discontentment. I want more. I want more. I want more for myself. I'm not happy with what I have. I'm not satisfied. I want more in my life. It's always the emphasis of what you don't have rather than what you have. You see, contentment When there is contentment, just like Benjamin Franklin said, contentment makes the poor man rich. Contentment reveals and is a sign that one is rich towards God. When you are contented with life, you realize, you know what, I don't have everything I want, but you know what, I am at peace with God. I am grateful. That i don't have to chase i don't have to go to bed at night worried about you know what's going to happen to my investment god's in control of that what's going to happen with my money god's in control i'm not going to worry am i going to wake up tomorrow and be diagnosed with cancer i don't have to fight those thoughts god's in control you realize discontentment always tries to make you in charge You always want to handle situations. You always want to have control. You always want to be, you know, the the, the quote-unquote, you know, have an umbrella ready for a rainy day. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. You know where I stand when it comes to finances, but I'll tell you, beloved. Paul emphasized godliness with contentment is great gain contentment without God is impossible. It's impossible. I have sat with numbers of people. I've worked with people. I have seen this to be true. If only I have that. If only I married that girl. If only I married that guy. If only I had a job. If only I had... I have couples in this church. There are people in this church, single men, single women, who have, you know, we, I remember a young girl coming to church, so much potential for God. We would go and pick her up every service from USJ3, bring her to church, see her come to church, see her make some. One day she gets a call to go down and, fi- and, and start working in KL Central, and she's going to go there, she's going to start working there, she's going to live with a guy there. We know this is not right. This is not of God. But no, I want that. I'm not happy. And How many times chase and chase and chase and chase never satisfied. That's why Paul said, you can never be contented without God you can get that best job there and give you a few months, you will go after something. That's human beings. Don't tell me. You know, I I trust very few people now because human beings have the ability to tell you something today and break their promise tomorrow. You be careful who you trust because a lot of people will give you all kinds. I was on YouTube today and, 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 and you know, two advertisements back to back. One, this, this lady comes up and then she has this bank account, 150000 350000 And then the whole family is around the table. They're cheering and you're, whoa, see the money came in. And then another group of people, you know, oh, $300,000. And then they're cheering. And, and so then a guy comes on and says, you can have that too. Yeah, if you're discontented, you will go and sign up for that, lah. If you start believing that kind of trash. Because I'm telling people can fabricate anything today. Yep. Come on. Hey, people can fabricate. I'm telling you, you just look at the accounts. Anyone can put any figure there. But you see, a discontented person will chase after that. And then I realized, I said, okay, you know what, this is, this is odd. And then after that video is over, I'm watching a, a documentary, and after the, as the documentary is going through halfway, and I may share a little bit after this, but as the documentary is going, another one comes up. $100,000, and two hundred, and, and this is a different company. Scammers, Thrive, at others' discontentment. That's why they drive lavish cars to show you, look, this is what you can have if you do this. But God is the only one that will keep us contented. Truly, godliness compels us to trust God when we have needs instead of being discontented. You see, when you're godly, instead of murmuring and complaining, when godliness is present. Why is godliness present? I told you just now. Because of the person that's in you. Christ. Right. So when Christ is in you, when you are in an area of need, instead of becoming discontented, you will actually say, I will trust God. That's a sign of a person who is contented, who understands that it is God who is going to take care and meet our needs. So let's bring this to a close, and let me just conclude with a few thoughts here, because the Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain, okay? Hear me very carefully. Why is that so? Why is godliness with contentment great gain? Go back to First Timothy chapter 6 with me. I want to show you a few scriptures here. That I believe will begin to set the, uh, 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 the 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 nail in the coffin. I want you to consider with me First Timothy chapter six verses seven. For we brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Who knows that? <laughs> You're not going to take anything with you, right? So when you don't have contentment, why does Paul say contentment? Godliness is great gain. I emphasize the word great gain. It is a gain because you now understand you cannot keep what you gain. Yes. So no matter what you do, you choose to be contented with what you have because you understand I'm not taking anything with me. Nothing is going to heaven with me. No matter how much of money I have in the bank, no matter how healthy I am, no matter how well and a good-paying job I have, death is inevitable. And when I die, I take nothing. All this life has to offer is temporary, and a wise man will store up for themselves treasures in heaven. Now, don't take this wrongly. Does that mean, Pastor, you're saying you don't save? Huh? I save. You mean you don't invest? I invest. Do you mean that you don't have finances put aside? I do. And I, you know me well enough. I've taught you that. Budget, you have to have all of this in place. You've got to have your finances in order. You've heard me say that. I'm not speaking that, you know what, you don't, you, you, you don't have any of that here, but I'm saying to you here, wise men store up in heaven. So when you are contented, you don't chase the things of this world. You realize I'm not taking anything with me. So the second thing is when you are contented, remember you will face a lot of temptations, but when you're contented, you don't have to fall. First Timothy 6.9. Look at this passage. But those who desire to be rich, do you see that? Fall into what? Temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So when you are contented, you don't have to fall to temptation. Anyone can swing something in front of you. You can begin to see those videos like I told you just now, the scheme and the scams. But you don't have to fall because you understand I'm contented. I'm grateful for what God has given me. You see, when you are contented, you are grateful and you live a life that is fulfilled for God's glory. Do all you can. Serve all you can. Be the person God called you to be. Begin to give with generosity. But more importantly, ask God, what do you want me to do? But more importantly, church, it keeps you from temptation. You don't have to get hurt. You don't have to get into a mess because you have learned to be contented. You don't want a one million in your account. No, I'm happy with what I have. Because if you give me that, I may go sleepless nights. When God is ready to give it to me, let Him give it to me. That that's, that you you can you can debunk these temptations because contentment is present. First Timothy chapter 6, the third thing that I find in this passage to be so profound and true is verses 10. Look at verses 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows the third reason why contentment is great gain is because it protects you from wandering from the faith when you are contented you may not love money now but can i say to you mammon is a spirit Mammon is a spirit and this is what they fuel today. You see, I, I got a video by uh, uh, Pastor Allen today and, and, and you know, it, it's so disturbing. You have these TikTok videos and what is happening is you have this lady who's going and licking a toilet seat. And then you have, you know, different dancers. There's this guy standing in front of a a, a man who sits like Satan, you know, red-faced. And he looks like a demon. And this guy is sitting in front of him. And he's moving in a way that's a very provocative way. And children are moving that way. Infants. Sexually Provocative. It's so disturbing. And the man who's putting this, he says, this is what TikTok is all about. It's about getting these young children to do that so pedophiles will take them and begin to use them. The love of money. The root of all evil. Is there anything good? Yes. But give a human being social media and you trust me, they will mess it up. Give a human being money, and you trust me, they will mess it up. It doesn't matter how many you know layers and what you may have. I'll tell you, beloved, where human beings are and power is given, they will blow it up because the love of money, money is a mammon, it's a spirit, it's a spirit. And when you're not contented, you will wander from the faith. And like the Bible says, look at this. It says greediness begins to set in and they will pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You want to know why people no no longer are interested in the Word of God? You want to know why this generation seems to be so undesirous for God's word, go to Mark chapter 419. Let me show you a scripture that the Bible says, and the cares of this world, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So you come to church, you hear the word. But when you begin to expose yourself to the spirit of mammon, it takes away the word of God discreetly. It chokes it. You become blinded. You don't see. Greediness sets in. Chasing after these things becomes your pursuit in life. And like the Bible says, it will only produce greed, dissatisfaction, and it will pierce you with many sorrows. People will get hurt. Because of discontentment. So now I hope you see why contentment is great gain. Why it's so important? Because you must realize you cannot take anything with you. When you are contented, you will not give in to temptations. When you are contented, beloved, you will not wander from the faith. The people who wander are the people who are chasing after other things. So let's close very quickly. Three minutes, hopefully. John 6, 32 to 35. Very quickly. John 6, 32 to 35. Strive for eternal bread. Strive for eternal bread, beloved. Get hungry for God tonight. John 6, 32 35. Then Jesus said to them, Moses, surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread, always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The only one who satisfies. We all need bread in our lives. You you cannot, You, 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 you can talk to a person who has everything under the sun. You can talk to a person who has everything they ever wanted. But if they have no God in them, they are definitely not. Today, they may be pursuing something. I've seen some gung-ho people who pursue a, a hobby or pursue a certain type of, you know, a, a agenda in their life. They are Because they, that, that's, that's what they are driving towards now. But the day will come where they will say, this is not satisfactory enough. I need something else. It's like drugs. It's not enough now. I want more and and you begin to abuse yourself, you give yourself in, the only one, the Bible says, Jesus is the bread of life. Contentment comes from Jesus. Believers are so caught up in chasing instead of trusting. We're chasing, 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 chasing. I've always remembered this picture. I was putting this sermon down and I just had to put this story in. Years ago, we stayed in SS19 and we had this guy come to the house. And so I think it was probably a lady who came first and then the guy, but the guy came and all he was doing was jumping. (laughs) You sudah menang! You sudah menang! (laughs) And he was jumping and he was jumping and he was jumping. And then he came with this coupon. He said, scratch, scratch, scratch. Wow, kakak, kakak, you sudah menangoh, you sudah menang, oh! and and you know, and 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 he was and and he was just, and so when I was putting the sermon together, I, I I couldn't help but but have that thought in mind. What he was doing was, he brought the scratch card. He was using this excitement, you know, and trying to so that people are not thinking. They get caught in the excitement. They get caught. Oh, oh, I better do something fast, you know. And and unfortunately, that's the type of person my mom is. So she invited them into the house. Come, come, come. Come." Oh, he. (laughs) And so the guy came in the house and said, hey, sudah menang, sudah menang. Sekarang juga you mesti beli ini. Kalau beli ini, mesti yang you dapat. And so there was so much of, you know, enthusiasm and excitement and, and you know, they're just trying to get there. And what they were doing is trying to express how discontented you are with life and how I can make you contented. They keep harassing you. They keep pushing you. It is for you. It is for you. Now you must do it. You must do it. Can I say something to you? If it is from God, it can always wait. That's a lesson I've learned always. If it's from God, it can wait. If it's for you, God will bring it back to you no matter what. That's the truth. I remember Pastor Dillard making a profound statement. He says, if the deal is for you, they know how to call you when you're not in service. And I can tell you, It's proven true every time. Every time I'm patient, God always ends up giving favor. Instead of jumping, make a decision fast, 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 fast. Don't. And I realized in that spirit of discontentment, in that spirit, people begin to leer. That's why they talk so fast. That's why they leer you in. But such a troubled, such an impatient generation, because it's a spirit, discontentment is a disease. I must do it or else I'll miss it. I know, beloved, I worked in an industry like that. We sold things. We, we, you know, we were doing training programs, and I know I would call uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, the person on the other end of the line, and my boss would tell me, "You give them a buy one free one offer. Tell them to sign up in the next hour." And we will call them. We will tell them. But I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that buy one free one can be given anytime. I could sign off on it anytime. But you know what we wanted? We wanted the deal to come in. We wanted the money to come in. And so we didn't allow people to think. We just aggressively pushed. And I saw that nature. I saw that culture. And this is an impatient culture today. And it does it because it wants us to focus on the temporal rather than the eternal. So where does contentment come from? i leave you with these three things. You write this down if you want to. Contentment comes from knowing God. Contentment comes from pursuing God. And contentment comes from experiencing God. How do I become a contented person? You have to know God. You have to pursue God. And you have to experience God. You've got to build your relationship with Him. You've got to get closer to God. I cannot do this for you. You're going to have to know Him. You've got to know Him. You've got to pursue Him. And you've got to experience Him. You know, I preached last Tuesday and I closed with this. And I was telling you, you know how troubled with all that has been going on and everything that's been transpiring and I shared with you some details last week. But you know, I had a talk this week with my wife and I was just telling her, you know, one thing I cannot dismiss is even though all of this is happening, I feel very full. Even though I don't see the church filled, I, I, I you know, wish more people were listening, I, but I still come back to the place where I say, you know what, I'm satisfied. I'm contented. I am in a place where I feel, God, you're in control. I'm at peace with God. See, I think that must be our place it, it took me time to ever come to that conclusion but i realized you don't need everything in life to be full you need god because god's the only one who can fill that void up and though everything may not go the way you know things are happening around us we see that but how many know god has kept us all this time he's protected us he's kept us safe that is more fulfilling than anything I can have in this life right now. To have my children saved, to have my my family, to have you and be in relationship with you, to have people who are praying for us. Do you know that is rare today in our generation? But I tell you, beloved, we may have unanswered prayers. We may have things that we ask God for but never come true. But contentment being full is a sign that God is inside and God is present. I want you to bow your heads with.